0: Our scripture lesson, our gospel lesson for this Easter day comes from John's gospel, chapter 20, beginning with verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. So she ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, they have taken the Lord out of the tomb and we do not know where they have laid him. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabbani, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not hold on to me because I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that he had said these things to her. This is the word of God for the people of God.
1: I want to try this again. He is risen? Okay, just checking. Early in the morning, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been moved. Early in the morning, while it was still dark. You know, I've read those nine words, those nine introductory words pretty much my entire life every Easter Sunday over And over and over and over again, I've heard them so many times, but today, standing here with you in noon in Georgia, what, 10 days after a tornado that devastated this community this morning, those brief, previously meaningful, uh, meaningless introductory words to a story that ends in revelation and hope and excitement take on an entirely new meaning, early in the morning while it was still dark. That's essentially how the article began in the Noonan Times-Herald from last Saturday. The tornado touched down at Noonan after midnight, and soon after it passed early in the morning while it was still dark, people emerged from what was left early in the morning while it was still dark. John tells us after this introduction that Mary came to the tomb of her friend Jesus. Devastation had rocked her world and the world of her friends. All of them were shaken after what they'd been through. And so Mary comes to the tomb that morning. John doesn't tell us why. Other gospels make mention of bringing spices and others. It's it's interesting to me that she goes at all. But as I've witnessed most of my life, after devastation and tragedy and hardship, there's this sort of innate drive in a lot of us to do something, isn't there? Like we can't just sit. We have to act now. Mary couldn't just sit. She had to go. She had to do something. And sure enough, she goes, and Jesus isn't there, adding further to her devastation. So she does what? She panics. She goes to a friend. She runs to tell anyone to find her friends, to tell them immediately. In the midst of the devastation of the loss of a friend, in the panic of the tomb being empty, Mary immediately acts. She has to go to the tomb, she has to do something, and she has to tell someone. In hardship and tragedy, Mary acted immediately like it was a reflex. We have seen this over the past week or so, haven't we? Early in the morning on Friday when it was still dark, folks like Mary immediately began running to and calling everyone they knew, their friends, family, neighbors. Instinct told us to immediately check on people to check on loved ones, to check on friends and neighbors. And after surveying the relationships, after checking on anybody and everybody, the entire community began to act. No one could sit. We all had to do something like it was instinct. I was on the phone all day Friday just trying to connect people who needed assistance to those who wanted to help, myself and Greg Othout. And the entire staff, Wendy and Karen and everybody, were no longer program directors or pastors. We were disaster coordinators. James Weldon was no longer in finance, he was a chainsaw. The Cranfords were no longer in medicine, but in meal prep. It felt like Ron Hall was everywhere at once. So many of you came to sit in Parish Hall to see if anybody at all might need a warm place to go and a warm meal. I mean, the outpouring of support and need to help seemed like it was programmed in us, didn't it? I mean, it, it wasn't just in Noonan. Carrollton Methodist, Alpharetta Methodist, Northside United Methodist Churches were here. A few folks from the church I just left were here. I gave big hugs. I couldn't believe it. I even saw one of my youth when I was a youth director back at Dunwoody Methodist. He was here. I was like, Ian, what are you doing here? He said, I just came to help. I haven't seen that kid in 10 years. And yesterday, my friends from my gym back home in Roswell handed me a check. They said, This is for tornado relief. All of us pitched in what we could. They all pitched in to donate. I mean, I've seen so much evidence over the last week, evidence that there's something innate, there's something deep within us that gets triggered when we see disaster and tragedy and grief. And that drive to help, that drive to serve, it was activated immediately, early in the morning, while it was still dark. One of the major doctrines of Christianity for many, many years has been something called original sin. Maybe you've heard of it. A fully formed understanding of original sin really came from Augustine of Hippo in the fourth century, and it came from the story of Adam and Eve and its interpretation by Paul. According to the Methodist Book of Discipline, listen to this, this is what original sin is. Original sin is the corruption of the nature of every person that is engendered of the offspring of Adam and Eve, whereby humanity is very far gone from original righteousness and of his or her own nature inclined to evil and that continually. So essentially we're born into sin, we're born corrupted with a bent toward evil. Now, sometimes Christians <laughs> we do this sometimes have this need to focus on humanity's corruption and original sin, all the bad. And I'm sure you've been to churches or heard of churches where that's that's all we talk about, is sin and judgment and very little joy and grace. And let me say this, there is a place for that. <laughs> there is a place for holding our own feet to the fire. There's a place for repentance and acknowledging our sin and the pain that we cause others as individuals and collectively, Lord knows if we had more repentance, we might look a little different today. But in all that talk of original sin and judgment, there is a doctrine that often gets forgotten. Do you know what it is? Anybody? Top (laughs) rows. Let me ask you this. In Genesis chapter 1, before humanity disobeys God, before we enter into a flawed relationship with God, what did God call creation and Adam and Eve? What did God call humanity? Good. What did he call humanity? Good. Genesis 1, 27 and 31. So God created humankind in his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So before humanity was sinful, humanity was good humanity was made with the image of God in each individual and before we messed up humanity was good one of my favorite things about John Wesley the founder of Methodism is that he pushed back pretty heavy against theologians that preach things like humanity is totally depraved the image of God is totally gone humanity has no good in them whatsoever it's all gone in fact Wesley said no The image of God in humanity is not gone. Rather, it's kind of distorted. Humanity is really, really sick with an illness, and that illness is sin. But humanity isn't dead yet because Wesley saw that there were occasional glimpses of that image, that original goodness in humanity. Over the last year, 2020, and even into 2021, I'd argue that we've seen the evidence of original sin. (laughs) We've seen some division, some extremes, Holding tighter to their own understandings, we've seen a lack of grace and curiosity. We've seen some, I'd argue, that uh, some of the worst we have to offer. If nobody, let me put it this way, if nobody believed in original sin before last year, they might be believers now. But last Friday, early in the morning, while it was still dark, we all woke up to see devastation and something in us began pushing us to act, to work, to work. Grieved, to process, to love, and to care. And it wasn't original sin. It was something deeper in each of us. The image of God in each of us woke up. And what I saw in the community was clear evidence, not of original sin, but of original goodness. 2,000 years ago, early in the morning, while it was still dark, death was undone. The power and guilt of original sin were broken forever. Forgiveness and mercy took the front seats. Resurrection became the rallying cry. And God reminded humanity of who we were originally created to be. Of what we still had in us. Of original goodness and the power of God's grace to transform. So this morning, I want to leave you with this. Please don't forget the instincts that kicked in over the last week. Don't forget the desire to serve without regard for any label that society might want to use. And don't forget that before there was original sin, there was original goodness. In the future, I'm certain that we will all remember one night when early in the morning, while it was still dark, we witnessed tragedy and destruction but may we also remember that the darkness faded, that the sun rose and the Spirit of God began the work of restoration and resurrection in a real and tangible way immediately. This Easter Sunday, hope is not gone. Mercy is not forsaken. Goodness is not locked up. Jesus Christ is risen from the dead, and he is hard at work within us and within this community right now. So may the original goodness of God that began in Genesis 1 take hold of each of us right now, this day, and each day. Let us pray. Gracious God, on this Easter Sunday, we are grateful. We are grateful that darkness does not have the final say, that death does not retain its sting. No, God, Christ is risen from the dead. God, we confess that so often we are not the Easter people that we should be living into your great mercy and love. But today, we also confess our deep, deep desire and need for restoration and resurrection right now. God, we pray for our community. We pray for those who have seen great loss. We pray for those who grieve and who seek a way forward. And we know that we are about to enter into a time of rebuilding We know that restoration and resurrection sometimes take time, so God, may our rebuilding be a declaration that a day will come when all good things are permanent, when disaster and decay will have no place, when dwellings will stand forever, and when no more lives will be disrupted by death, tragedy, reversal, and loss. Gracious God, shepherd us As we wake each new morning, remind us that you are with us. Let us walk in faith. Let us walk bravely and let us walk together, knowing that you go before us always. And God, in all things, may we always remember that you are the one, the creator, the sustainer, and the redeemer who will always leave the 99 to save the one. May we always be aware and remember that the image of God is in each of us, that before there was sin, there was goodness, and that you have come to help us find a way to share that goodness with everyone. God be with us this day. Go with us, and may we share that goodness. In Jesus' name, amen.